No, no, no. She's not a medical doctor, but she can sure cure your tax problems or your financial woes. She's the how-to girl. It's the Dr. Friday Show. If you have a question for Dr. Friday, call her now, 737-WWTN. That's 737-9986. So here's your host, financial counselor and tax consultant, Dr. Friday. G'day, I'm Dr. Friday, and the doctor is in the house. It's been nice. I've been uh, kind of remote or out of the office the last couple weeks, it seems like, so it is great to be back here in the studio. So if you've got questions, maybe you're getting ready to think about preparing your 2018. Extensions for businesses will expire on September 15th, individuals by October 15th, so it's very important to go ahead and start getting them prepared in case you owe money and get prepared to how you're going to get ready to pay that if it's an add-on to your existing payment plan or setting up a payment plan or just paying them outright. Um, So that's very important. Um, Over the uh, July 26th, it actually came out. So um, basically it was updated on the 27th. The uh, Internal Revenue Service has announced that Friday that beginning to send out letters to tax uh, payers who own cryptocurrency advising them to pay back taxes that may owe um, to file amended tax returns regarding their holdings. Um, Some information that has been being uh, submitted through um, Bitcoin and some of the other companies. Um, Big, big news for if you're one of those that follow or invest into that. There's been quite a bit of conversation about how the IRS will even know who actually has money in this since it's very – Difficult. They have more than 10,000 taxpayers at this point. By the end of this month, they say they'll have at least 25,000 letters going out. So, hey, just a heads up. If you're one, um, I've got nephews uh, that have invested. If you're an investor into cryptocurrency and at this point you've been in it for a number of years um, and you haven't filed anything on your tax returns, just keep in mind that the IRS is getting more and more information from different uh, sources about cryptocurrency and if you have made money. Um, And that does not mean that you've actually converted it back into U.S. dollars. But if you have sold bitcoins for other types of currency or if you're mining and you've sold money from one to the other, that's a a step up or a change or a new purchase. So when you sold it from one to the next, theoretically, that should have been reported just as if it was – Buying one stock, selling it to buy another stock every time a transaction, unless it's being held in a tax-deferred account like an IRA or something where we don't have to report it um, you know, until we actually take the money out. If it's being invested with after-tax dollars, just, again, don't be surprised if you get a love letter from the Internal Revenue Service talking about those kind of situations. We also want to talk a little bit about scams. So if you do want to join the show, if you've got questions or maybe you're in the middle of um, you know, getting ready to maybe get all your tax information or you've got friends or family that um, are in the middle of some tax issues, you can ask the questions. We don't record or keep any of the information here so your name you give us or anything else isn't important. It's more about asking a question that may even help yourself or maybe help other listeners that are listening that may be a bit shy to ask the question. 615-737-9986 is the number right here in the studio. 615-737-9986. IRS has also released some new scams. Um, They're really not new. Many of them are pretty much the same thing. Uh, the IRS doesn't usually call individuals um, unless um, 
there's an open case. They've already sent you letters. They've tried to contact you. Um, they are probably more apt to knock on your door than to call you unless it's a local revenue officer that you've been in contact with in the past. I've had a case where I had a young lady um, really quite upset because, um, unfortunately, like I said, the last couple of weeks between a wedding and my brothers, they, they do this shark swim thing where they swim from Alcatraz into the land crazy brothers that I have. Um, anyways, that they, um, you know, th- this person was trying to reach me and they, she had gotten two phone calls and she had made the mistake of actually trying to have a conversation uh, with these individuals. Long story short, this person does owe money to the Internal Revenue Service along with millions of other individuals. So the phone calls do hit because there's quite a few people that may have tax issues. So in her case, she was thinking that they were going to come and take her home, come knock on her door. The police were going to arrest her. Um, After I got a chance to talk to her, I told her that wasn't the case. She was totally in a non-collectible situation. This person is living paycheck to paycheck and, and hardly making it. So long, you know, but meanwhile, for a couple of days before I could get back to her, she was totally freaking out. These calls can be very intimidating. So, you know, if you get a phone call from the IRS, I can't tell you how important it is. A, don't answer those questions. If they're asking you anything personal, this is the Internal Revenue Service. Get a badge number, get a name, hang up the phone, call the local office, call the 1-800-829-1040 number, ask if this is a true agent, ask if there's a situation, you know, with your case. Don't just assume that you're talking to the Internal Revenue Service. And one of the biggest giveaways, just picture the Internal Revenue Service threatening every single American that owes them money, that we're going to come seize your property, that we're going to have the police at your door, that you're, you know, I mean, come on, guys, little logic. And I realize you're you're already stressed because you owe the IRS or you have issues with them. But the likeliness of that happening, especially if you haven't relocated in the last two years or so and you have filed information with the government, there would have been a ton of love letters. And they're more apt to put a lien or levy against your paycheck than they are to come and arrest you. Um, I think it's like 0.1% of people that actually have ever had, and most of the time it's more like fraud or theft that the IRS is more interested in than than coming after a person that owes a couple thousand dollars or even tens of thousands of dollars um, on those issues. So step back from the issue and and seriously um, do not answer those questions um, and make sure that you are dealing directly with the IRS before anything is coming up. So if you have questions, 615-737-9986 is the number right here in the studio, 615-737-9986, taking your calls, talking about all things, information, you know, taxes, money, all good stuff, you know, anything that's going to make it uh, exciting for us, any questions that you might have about your tax return. Keep in mind that if you're starting a new business, sometimes a lot of people seem to be contacting my office thinking that they need to start out with a C corporation, that they need to, you know, get into, uh, in my opinion, something that might just be a little too big for a small business because of the current tax laws. But the current tax laws are not permanent. They're going to disappear in about five years. So, you know, do we really want to start a business that we are kind of stuck into possible tax laws that aren't as good for us? Or the fact that, keep in mind, if you are a corporation, C-Corp, sub-S corporation, you must start payroll. 
you must put yourself on payroll. Only person that does not need to be on payroll in a corporation situation is possibly an investor. But if you're working, if you're doing the bookkeeping, you're managing it, you're doing the work for it, you must be on payroll based on tax law. And if you aren't or you're not paying yourself what's called a fair wage because a lot of people misinterpret the fact that if I have a sub-S corporation and that money rolls over to me as uh, dividends, theoretically, I don't have to pay self-employment tax. Oh, wow, this is a lot better than a sole proprietorship or um, a partnership or a single-member LLC in some ways because I don't have to pay self-employment tax, which will save me a lot of money. Of course, you're not paying into Social Security, which means that in the long run, you may not be uh, – you may be kind of cutting your legs off there. But who knows where that will be when we get ready to retire? The bottom line to that conversation is that's not true. Sure, your K-1 will come to you without you having to pay Social Security tax. But if you are ever audited, and I will tell you, the IRS is not stupid people, people. They are looking at sub-S corporations. Why? Because a large number of people incorporated pay themselves as if they're only investors and they're working the company. And there's no payroll, no payroll at all in their sub-S corporation or C-corporations. No payroll. Who is running this company? Sooner or later, you're going to get caught, is my opinion. And I don't like to live my life with the idea I'm constantly looking over my shoulder when I'm running my companies. It's just not something I want to do. I want to be able to at least, with the best of my ability, report what I know. So it's very, very important that you get into doing this the right way. There are lots of changes coming down from the IRS that, you know, they're basically going to be auditing and making sure that more information and they're passing that down to us who are doing the bookkeeping and taxes. And then being quite honest, they're wanting us as bookkeeper and tax people, all my fellow partners in this industry, they're holding us more and more responsible. They want us to be the first line for audits, you know, in all honesty, they want us to be the ones that basically identify people that are possibly not reporting things properly. They want us not to just be throwing numbers onto a tax return. They want us to be a little bit more involved. And and it's, it's a catch-22 in some ways. I'm going to be quite honest with you because, you know, our job as tax people, we're really just to fill in and make sure those taxes were prepared properly. But if it's a matter that we have to know where all those numbers come from, if the IRS is going to start fining us or putting penalties on tax people, we're going to have to get more and more involved with what's going on and how it's going to work for us. So, that means more questions, more more questions and how things are going to be done because as a tax person that's been doing this 20 plus years, we're going to need to know how that's going to work for the taxpayer. How do we protect our our clients from audits to the best of our ability because putting numbers on a tax return is great, but you know, software does some of that and if you're just relying on software to do everything, well then you're going to be in trouble in the long run because we all saw this last tax season where The software was wrong in many cases. We had to override or we had to work around because the software wasn't even doing the taxes in the correct way. So, you know, if you're just relying on software, you're going to be in trouble in this industry. All right. So if you've got questions, it's really easy. Pick up the phone, 615-737-9986. 615-737-9986. Talking about taxes, talking about new types of business entities. What do we need to know How is it going to work for us? Is there going to be a change in um, earnings as far as are we going to have to increase our payroll 
to meet the new mandates that's going to be coming off of the uh, new tax changes that have happened. There has been a couple new tax laws that are in force. I was actually in San Francisco, guys, this last weekend. Um, And in California, of course, the minimum wage is already like $15 an hour, I think. And then when you pay your bill, you actually have another 4 or 5% for employer um, mandated fees. So, you know, all, whatever starts in one area may end up feeding or trickling down to the rest of us. So be prepared that we're going to be looking at possibly new federal payroll tax laws. And we'll talk a little bit about that when we come back, about that and a couple other things that may have changed in taxes in the last month or so. We're going to be right back. You can join the show at 615-737-9986. We'll be right back with the Dr. Friday Show. In studio, if you'd like to join the show, it's really easy, 615-737-9986, and we have got Bill on the line. Hey, Bill, thanks for calling. Uh, thank you, Dr. Friday. Uh, I sing at a, a lot of the varied uh, senior citizen centers, and although I've filed W-9 with each and every one of them, uh, I never earn more than $600 from any of them, and they all tell me, well, that's not taxable, so we don't send you any tax information at the end of the year to file. What say you? So they're they're correct. They don't have to report it from their side. But as you probably know, Bill, any money we make, any money we make, we must report on our personal tax returns. We just wouldn't have 1099s to back them up. So you would just do it on a Schedule C, you know, filing it as other income on your tax return. So they'll just take my word for whatever I say I make. I mean, I'm not going to lie, but in other words, just, yep. just write down what you did and they take your word on it? They would, yes, because it's you're just not making enough per, per show to justify the 1099s. So they're just going to take it as cash income, basically, from the IRS side. But I would just do that and then write off the miles or whatever equipment or whatever else you might have had to 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 be able to perform those shows. Thank you so much. No worries. Thanks. I appreciate the phone call. All right, let's go. This is funny. Hey, Bill in Murfreesboro. How are you, Dr. Friday? I am good, buddy. What can I do for you? I had some RSUs that vested last year. Uh And, you know, the, uh, you know, buy high, sell low. Uh, They vested and I was taxed last year on them and I sold them this year. And I probably lost $14,000 when I sold them versus what they were worth. Okay. Can I count that off? Does it got to be counted like in stock uh, this year in stock sale? How does that work? It is. So when you purchased it, it showed up as your ordinary income, you know, when you did on your W-2 most likely. Um, So when you sell it, it's going to be a Schedule D and you're going to be able to take the loss. But unfortunately, you'll only be able to go up to a negative 3,000. So if you lost 14, you're going to be doing it for a number of years to get all of the losses unless you have a gain of some sort on some other stock. So I could, so like I could dump some cash mutual funds this year yes. to offset the loss. You right? got it. Yep. And take the whole loss this year. It, yes. So you've got a gain of 14,000 on those and a loss on this one. They'll wash each other. Thank you. And how do you claim that? How do you show the loss? Schedule D. <laughs> so you're going to do a schedule D, which would be show the stock, how much you paid for it, which would be what your vested amount was, what you sold it for, and then that will automatically calculate the loss. And the same thing on the other, what you purchased, what you lost, and you know, capi- uh, the capital gains, and they'll just automatically offset each other. 
Thank you very much. No worries. Thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah. Great question. And one of the things that a lot of times people don't realize, and Bill has actually asked a good question, I can't tell you how many cases we've had come in the door where people don't understand because there's a two-sided entry to when you have a company stock that you're able to buy. One is you buy it and you purchase it on uh, your W-2 and it increases sometimes people's W-2 like, oh, I made all this money and no, you really just purchase stock. Um, And that gives you your basis, whatever that is, times the number of shares. And then when you sell it, there is actually a capital gain situation because sometimes people will buy it at a lower rate. Normally, that's what happens. And then when they sell it, they could actually still have a huge capital gains along with whatever they paid. So one year, they'll pay ordinary income Income tax, kicking them often into a higher tax bracket. And then again, when they sell it, they'll end up paying to pay um, short-term capital gains, depending on how long they've held the vested stock. Um, so they can end up paying a lot more in taxes. And sometimes people only do half of the transaction where they'll report it. They don't have a choice. So they report it on the W-2. But when they sell it, they don't report it because they think, hey, wait a second, I sold it at the same time I vested it. Therefore, it was all one big transaction. And it wasn't. So just keep in mind there is always two sides to that transaction and you need to make sure you keep track of the the vesting side. So when you purchased it um, and the date and, and everything, how much it was because you may decide not to sell all, you may decide part, you may hold some, you may want to hold it over a year after vesting to keep it in long-term capital gains, et cetera, et cetera. Um, just you know, keep in mind that those basis is very, very important because when you're purchasing them on your W-2, a lot of times people feel like they've already paid a ton of taxes. So when they sell it, there's really no taxes needed uh, to deal with. But that is not the case. So um, you know, just putting that out there, making sure that we're all on the same page. All right. Uh, but that was a great question. I really appreciate it. And the first caller that was calling about W9, both were named Bill. So we're going to go with Bill again. Um, for all of you that weren't sure exactly, because I didn't really explain, the W9 is for anyone that is working as a subcontractor. Um, you will complete a W9 form, kind of like a W2, but the W9 would have your name, address, and Again, I am kind of anal. I don't like my Social Security number out there any more than possible. So if you are a person that is working as a subcontractor, maybe you have a small cleaning business or construction business, and you want to keep it as a small company, that's not a problem. You can once – you can go to the irs.gov, type in the word SS4 online. That's SS4 online. Get yourself a free federal ID number. It will follow you no matter how many self-employed businesses you want to do. So if you're a magician magician and a magician and whatever else uh, and doing something on the side and you have two or three little businesses and people ask you to complete your W-9, you would always put that federal ID number on there. Therefore, gosh forbid something happens because a W-9 has almost everything someone needs to take your identity. They've got your legal name, they've got your social security number, and they would have your address. I mean, that's kind of giving someone a lot of information that you really, really do not want to give. So again, go to the irs.gov, get yourself a, uh, it's a sole proprietorship or an individual federal ID number. You can use that number anytime you would be using your social security number to complete a form like a W-9. You would not use it on a W-4 form and you would not use it 
when you're completing, um, you know, an application for borrowing or something. But this would be, so if somebody 1099 you, they would 1099 that federal ID number, keeping your social security number nice and safe, at least safe as you can. Every time it seems like I open my mail, somebody's uh, information, be it Target or other organizations have had um, their, even the IRS, you know, your information has potentially been uh, hacked. So here you go. So it's, it would be nice to find a way to protect as much as we can. So again, if you are a sole proprietor, um, single individual, just doing something on the side, keep in mind, if someone has you completing W-9 forms, it's free guys. And you never have to get another one. Just keep that number and you, you know, it will follow you no matter what business you're doing. Just, you know, use the use the federal ID number instead of your social security number. It's just gonna make your life a lot easier. All right, so if you want to join me, 615-737-9986-615-737-9986. Taking your calls, talking about all things exciting, especially about money or money issues. So if you've got questions, you want to join us. Feel free to do that um, so we can, you know, hopefully get you in the right direction, starting a new business. Entrepreneurs are my favorite clients. One of the reasons I love entrepreneurs is because, well, they often create and do things that are, are outside of my normal thinking, and it's fun to watch them. But be careful. If you're a small, young business, the last thing you want to get yourself into is IRS issues before you've got the business really on its feet. So just making sure that you have certain types of liability protection, making sure you're, you're, you're building the company the right way so that way you're, you're protecting yourself, your personal assets, yet you're not having to file something on a monthly or daily basis, it feels like sometimes, at least monthly, um, before time comes. So, you know, if you have questions, starting a new business, not too sure how you want to move forward with that, or if you haven't filed taxes in a while and you're looking to get yourself caught up and you're like, I don't know even where to begin because let's be honest, sometimes I, you know, I have clients that I can't even remember to what happened a year ago or two years ago. There's no way I could recreate five, six, seven years worth of tax information. And the good news is you don't have to fully do that because what will happen is if you come to us, we will get power of attorney. At that time, we can pull your transcripts and then we can see what the government, it gives us a tool to find out what does the IRS already know. And in some cases, we find out the IRS has already filed taxes for you, and that's why you're getting these love letters because you're like, I never filed taxes, but the government says I own $50,000. Well, you know, if you're a self-employed individual and you've received a lot of 1099s, they have no basis. So bottom line is, unless it was just your personal time and you had no write-offs, but most people do have something to write off against their business, you know, but... Bottom line is they say you owe this and then you get failure to file, failure to pay, failure to do all these different things. Um, and it, it's not as simple as you like to think. I had a person that, you know, their mom uh, got diagnosed with Alzheimer's. They realized that she hadn't filed taxes and uh, there had been some real estate sales. And so they ended up paying almost 200000 in ordinary taxes, just got the love letter, and they owe $59,000 in failure to pay penalties. So – they add up really, really fast, guys. So you need to be on top of it. And, and in this case, even, you know, making sure that other people you love are doing what they need to do to make sure things are passing through the system properly. So if you've got questions on how to do this, how to get started, or, you know, you just want to know what the next step would be, you know, again, we don't take your name and number. You can call in, 
under any name you'd like. We're not uh, – it's not the important part of the question. Ask your question. Again, we appreciate the call. 615-737-9986 is the number here in the studio. 615-737-9986. Taking your calls. And when we come back, we're going to talk about a bill that Donald Trump has um, signed. And we're going to see how that's going to affect some of our tax laws and what we might think are important in in the current taxes. So we're going to make sure that we stay on top of it and when, if possible, or is it at all going to change minimum wage as well? Minimum wage may be a little different than what you think. So we're going to take take a quick break and we'll come back for your calls and have a few of these other topics. We'll be right back with the Dr. Friday Show. In studio, I love rock music. Gotta go. All right. If you want to join us, 615-737-9986. 615-737-9986. And we've got Georgie on the phone. Hey, George, thanks for calling. Hi, Dr. Friday. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, if I recently came into uh, some extra money and I wanted to contribute to my daughter, my grandchildren, what's the maximum I can t- contribute to each before I have to pay a penalty? Well, the good news is there's two sides to that, George. You could give $15,000 to each of them before you have to file a tax form. But uh-huh. for some reason, let's say you wanted to give more than the 15000 you would file a tax form, but there would still be no tax unless it's over $11 million. Then oh, we would okay. have to worry about it, George. And most of us, that will never be a lifetime issue that we'll have to worry about. So, right. um, so yes, yeah, so there is no tax unless it's over $11 million. But other than that, you have, and that's over your lifetime. Otherwise, 15000 before you have to file a gift tax return. So if I give $15,000 to my daughter, now does she have to file a tax on that? No, George. Nope. Okay, it's it's either way. I don't file a tax, nor nor does she. Right. The only thing the giver would have to worry about would be is if it's tax free money. So, I mean, if you won the lottery, let's just say, you would have to uh-huh. pay the taxes on the money from the lottery. Sure. It's not a deduction. Sure. But if well, it's already been taxed, then you can give it to her without additional tax forms. Well, like I'm selling my house, and I've been in it for a while, and I've got quite a bit of equity in it. Right. So I could therefore give who Absolutely. I want to a maximum of 15,000. Right. And, and you not- can you can pass it down not to cut you off but like you you said grandchildren so you could give if they're not minors theoretically cuz you might want to put it in mm-hmm. trust otherwise but right. if they're older then you could give her 15, her children each 15, her husband 15, whatever the situation would be. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you're always, it, George. You're always so helpful. Thanks, George. I appreciate it. Talk to you okay. later. Babe. Bye. All right. And so we're talking and gifting is a great way. I mean, sometimes people think about it as um, the beautiful thing about gifting is that neither person has to pay additional tax. So the giver would be the person that would have to pay tax if it ever needed taxes. The receiver, the person that's receiving gift would never pay the tax because they're getting it um, tax free. But the person giving the tax um, in George's case, he would have an exclusion um, if he's single, two hundred fifty thousand. If he's married, five hundred thousand above what he originally paid for the house. So he has tax-free money that he then wants to pass on and share uh, with his children or grandchildren. And that is certainly a wonderful, wonderful thing to do um, as, as passing that uh, 
uh, way to to change people's future or help them pay off uh, additional you know issues or whatever else. So, um, and then we're talking a little bit about minimum wage. I guess that came up a lot when I was traveling to California because of the fact that every year they have a bill that they keep increasing pretty much the minimum wage. We had a bill, I think it was back in maybe 2015 or something, um, about the minimum wage situation. And it was um, basically, it, it, it was trying to get it to $10.10, I believe. But they have they basically say in Tennessee, minimum wage is seven twenty five. Less than 8% of people work. 7.5% of people work for 725. So they're saying that it's a pretty small and in that a very uh, small crowd of either seniors or teenagers that are actually receiving that wage. So, you know, it, it would be interesting to see um, what will be the next step as far as uh, compared to many states. We have many of their you know, minimum wages working their way up to 15 um, $16. In California, they eliminated what we call the waitress wage or whatever, where, you know, a lot of waiters and waitresses work for three twenty-five minimum or $4, and then they get tips, which put them over the top of the minimum wage. Um, so they actually work at a lower rate. In California, they don't have that rate. Everybody makes $15 an hour. And I will tell you, personally speaking, I'll take Tennessee and not so much that, but it just seems like the customer service here is so much better. And I mean, this is a girl, I I lived in Newport beach for goodness, probably uh, on and off. My parents lived there anyway. So I visited them for 20 years. So, um, you know, in, in and out of California a lot. Um, and it just seems like now that, that it's uh, a little different, maybe it's because I've become more Southern. Um, we'll find out, but, uh, I, I do like the customer service or the attitude of, of Tennessee. And so, um, if you, if you want to know more about how the minimum wage and things, you can always go to the irs.gov, see how it's going to proceed. Um, I don't think if you change the to $10 in the state of Tennessee, that would have a huge effect on most workers again, because I mean, we do bookkeeping for a lot of companies and there are very few companies, even in the restaurant industry that are paying less than $10 an hour uh, to their employees. It's a very competitive market because there's a limited number of people. So I think you'd find that that bill would probably have a fairly small effect on, on the employers uh, here in the state. So I'm not too sure, but you know, once you start messing with it, then you get more regulation and next thing you know, boom, Things are getting changed. So if you want to join us, 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986. Taking your calls, talking about all types of different tax issues or what's happening um, with the IRS. Basically, um, just to let you know, Trump is working on signing something to do with minimum wage and and also, um, you know, trying to get better um, – free services for, I guess you would say, what he considers the middle class. So right now, if you are an individual and you make less than, I believe, $40,000, you can file your taxes for free on some of those sites. If you're a married couple, I think it's 65000 or less. Now, that would assume that you don't have earned income credit, that you don't have a business. This is solely people with just a W-2 putting in a tax return and um, you, you know getting the, the tax credit. So he's, they're trying to expand that, bring in a, f- a little bit higher um, limitations to the free tax returns. 
giving individuals that and, and I'm, I, you know, I'm all for this, to be quite honest with you. If all you have is a W-2, you have about the simplest tax return in the world. And nowadays, with some of these companies, they basically will import it. So you go to places like, I guess, H&R Block and them, and, and you sign up for them, and they can actually physically import your W-2 from your employer. I will tell you, we, we don't have that service. I'm not too sure exactly how that works. But um, that, that being said, you know, they bring it in so they can do your taxes in moments. Even if you haven't received your W-2, they're able to access those um, and, and get your taxes done. And with W-2s having to be filed by the last day of January with Social Security Administration, that is helping us, the tax people, to get that information in a faster system. Because as you know, they're already slowly pushing out the deadlines for filing taxes because, and I will give the IRS kudos on this, they are doing, um, they are trying very hard to match information with what's truly filed and and people's information because the biggest section of the IRS dealing with is fraud. There's a ton of people out there, guys, that will just take any information, throw it into a tax return, create a refund, and try to get it faster than the IRS can approve it. This year, we've had a lot more delays in people with the number of children, people that had um, did, did not actually physically have their W-2s in hand or, you know, information we were using, um, you know, final paycheck stubs, things like that. They delayed those refunds trying to match, are these really their children? Or is this really their income before those refunds left the building, which I think is great. I think I know a lot of families count on the fact of getting these refunds really, really fast. Um, I know the auto uh, used auto market, uh, you know, now are pushing out March, April being more of a busy time. It used to be late January and February where they would have huge amounts of, I mean, a lot of people take their refunds and buy a car because their cars are, um, you know, need new cars. Um, The money does go back into the economy, but some people are getting, I mean, I've got people that try to claim their girlfriend or or their neighbor's kids, um, you know, and, and things like this. You, you can't claim other people's children. Um, you know, it, it isn't the way the law works. And, you know, you need to make sure and the government needs to make sure that we don't have I'm, – I'm waiting. One of my biggest things would be um, address matching, you know. I mean there's a lot of people that seem to live in the same household but, they're, you know, they're not married but the children are both of theirs. And, I mean, you know, it's a little claim, hard to claim head of household if you really are – living because no one's claiming rent, but yet you've got multiple incomes in the household. So it should be interesting to see that is one of the things they're trying to work into their system. Um, You know, it'll be interesting to see if the IRS can pull that off um, and find ways of, you know, also reducing the ability of people trying to claim earned income credit um, or uh, child dependents that are maybe not as, uh, you know, individual as they like to show. So we'll see how that works. This new tax law is making it much more difficult for people to itemize. So it it changes a a little bit on contributions, you know, mortgage interest. If you have 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 more than 24,000, if you're under the age of 65 uh, as a married couple and less than 12 or thereabouts as a single individual. And, um, you know, obviously the tax code has and always will, Um, give better benefits to people that are in debt. Just keep in mind, my basic mathematics comes out with debt is never going to give you more tax savings than if you never paid the money in the first place. So just keep in mind, I had a lot of people come in and say, wait, I've got this mortgage. You know, now is it worth it? I'm like, 
if your mortgage is less than this, you're going to save more money than having to pay ten thousand and save two thousand in taxes. I'd rather not pay the ten thousand at all and just pay the two thousand in taxes because that way I saved eight grand. Math to me sounds like a good idea. That's why a lot of entrepreneurs, small business owners, I see them rushing out, taking on debt. Oh, I'm going to go buy myself a big truck or I need to. And hey, if you need that piece of equipment, it's going to turn more income or maybe the truck you're driving is breaking down and you're losing income because you're having to put it in the shop. Bingo, go do it. Put it in the, you know, go get one. But if it's just the matter that you're looking for a section 179 to reduce your taxes, that may not be the smartest move. Taking on $40,000 worth of debt to save $10,000, if you don't need it, I don't think you need to do it. Better to pay the 10 to the IRS and save the 30 for yourself. All right, we're going to take our last break. If you want to join the show, 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986. We're going to be right back with the Dr. Friday Show. If you've got questions, hey, give us a call. If you don't, keep listening, we hope, because we're hopefully going to keep you in the right track. I know this isn't the busiest season of the year for taxes, um, but, you know, after nine years, most of you guys have gotten a Got us down here. So if you've got questions, again, 615-737-9986, taking your calls, um, trying to help you guys basically just, you know, know what choices you have. If you've got love letters and you're not too sure what to do with them, I'm an enrolled agent licensed with the Internal Revenue Service to do taxes and representation, which basically means, guys, you have a couple options, non-collectible, making a payment plan, making a partial payment plan, and doing an offer and compromise. Not one of those are going to fit every single person. Hopefully, well, I should say one of those will fit your situation, but not the same for every person. So you want to make sure that you are actually getting what's best for you. I know there's a lot of people out there or there are companies out there that will basically say, oh, yeah, we can fix your problem. No worries. Um, I can't tell you the number of people in the last 10 years that have walked in my door um, after talking to them and me telling them or having to be the bad guy and say, here, this is what we really can do um, because we have to actually deal with the issue. We can't just make an offer. We can't just do something. There are ways and things we have to do. So, all right, we got Travis on the, Travis on the line. Hey, Travis, thanks for calling. Yes, hi, Dr. Friday. Hey, uh, I'm actually listening to your show a lot. Um, I breed dogs. And, um, you know, they sell from anywhere from 600 to 1,000, depending on, you know, uh, mm-hmm. markings and whatnot. Um, I'm wondering, I, I'm looking to get a business license and get a tax write-off, you know, because I donate some to the police department and different things like that. Mm-hmm. But what would be the best type of, uh, of business should I, that, that I should uh, apply for? Well, I mean, obviously you're going to – is this being run out of your house, Travis? Yes, it is. Okay. So you have two options, in my opinion. Um, you, you have some liability, but in my understanding from attorneys that I hang out with, that an LLC may give you limited protection because most of the time 
the LLC or the limited liability protection is more for employees than it is for you personally. So my suggestion would be either a single member LLC or just keeping it as a sole proprietor and then getting yourself a great umbrella policy and liability because your biggest concern will be potentially the dog doing something, right? I mean, they're puppies, so probably not a whole bunch. But if something happens or someone says that, you know, since they're paying – um, I know I AKC dogs. I mean, mine are Great Danes. What kind of breed do you do you deal with? German, German Shepherds. Shepherd. I have a feeling when you said police department, I figured they were shepherds. But, um, but you know, I mean, certain expectations, and if they don't turn out the way people expect, then you know, you're the bad guy no matter what. So um, that would be my biggest concern. And also, um, you've probably been doing this for a while, but I know my breeders always have me sign off on a lot of documents. It's almost like buying a house nowadays. Um, exactly. You know, making sure that uh, you know they're, they're doing the best that they can, but you know, certain things. Even from the fact that I can't sell my dogs or do anything, I have to give them back to them, which is awesome because they just don't want their bloodline to be messed up. Um, but right. that being said, I would probably just keep it simple. Um, that way you could have a home office or, in your case, possibly a kennel, uh, square footage-wise, but the utilities and the yard maintenance and whatever else it takes, the water bill and all those things that would take to actually uh, take care of the pets if you have a separate uh, building for them or a part of the house, square footage in the house if you using the garage or whatever. Um, and then um, all the food, you know, veterinarian bills or the you know, shots and stuff you have to get for them. Um, all that would be something that you could build into the cost of each puppy. Okay. And then for taxes, that how should I, uh, same thing. So, you know, bottom line, assuming, let's just say you have a, a litter of 10 and you know, you have a $6,000 worth of bills and you sell the litter of 10 for $10,000, just easy math. You'd be able to write the 6,000 off against the 10, making it a taxable income of four in my simple math. Right. Excellent. Thank you, doctor. No worries. I appreciate it. Good luck. Thanks. Thanks. I do love my puppies. Um, all right. So um, we have a few more minutes. It looks like we might have Lamar joining the show. If so, um, we'll take his call before the, the final break here. But, um, you know, sometimes making an entity, in my opinion, again, I'm not an attorney, but in my opinion, sometimes having really good insurance because an insurance company is going to do your representation versus not having, uh, you know, just just thinking that you're insured because of the limited liability that you have with a corporation or an LLC. That usually means that I, I mean, myself, I operate as a, a sub S corporation. If I were to get, uh, you know, sued, I would have to go hire an attorney put down a retainer with that attorney for him to represent me and um, and the cost is all on me. There is no um, additional. So if I have a problem, hopefully it will fall under E&O insurance. And in that case, the attorney under that insurance will represent me. And I've paid a premium throughout my lifetime, it seems like, um, to deal with that. So, you know, just making sure that you have both sides covered. Um, I may be a little over covered in some ways, but I personally find um, there's no such thing as probably having too much uh, liability or insurance when it comes to a business owner. Um, so just, you know, talk to your insurance person. And if you're running a business out of your home, keep in mind that your general homeowner's insurance may not cover anything that happens under that business shield. So you're going to need to make sure that you actually have an umbrella policy, possibly a business policy um, to protect you so that something happens 
gosh forbid, to anything that happens in that business that you're covered because, you know, if something happens and you lose it all, you may say, well, I had homeowner's insurance. And they're all saying, nope, it doesn't cover the same thing with vehicles. You know, it's not going to be covered if you have it under your, your car or whatever. So just as a point of interest, you, you know, I'm not an insurance agent, guys. So my suggestion is always to talk to your insurance agent and talk to an attorney, find out what they would suggest is the best protection um, for you individually because everyone's story is a little bit different and you have different assets and different things to protect. But always get the best advice. But from the tax standpoint, sometimes a separate entity isn't always the best answer. So it's it's really good to be able to move forward and, and get that information uh, from different sources. But um, what I usually run into when people start up a new company is they forget to pay their business license. They don't realize they have to pay franchise excise. They don't realize there's an annual report. And next thing you know, they've got five, $600 penalties and interest against all these different things. And boom, what started out as a fabulous idea now is taking on a lot of debt and, you know, that's something you don't want to have to deal with. So if you are thinking about starting up a new business or you've got a business and you want to know what's the best way to get moving or, you know, you need help with your tax preparation, because if you're running a business, most likely you may not want to be doing your own tax returns. Not everybody. There are a couple simple, you know what, your consultant, all you really have is your home office. Um, you don't even travel outside your home. Everything is done online. Not a lot of tax deductions. So you may have a home office and some office supplies. Maybe about the simplest Schedule C in the world. Um, that being said, you know, you probably could handle your own tax return. But, you know, then I have people that basically have no idea what they're doing. So if you need help, all you have to do is call my office or you can go check out my new website. It is up going and there's a great um, – new look on it. So, you know, give me some heads up. Tell me what you guys think of it. Uh, the website is drfriday.com. That is drfriday.com. And so you can go out there or you can always contact me via the telephone 615-367-0819. That is my direct line. Remember, I'm an enrolled agent licensed with the Internal Revenue Service to do taxes and representation, which means if you have not filed taxes, if you are in the middle of an audit or you're trying to figure out how to get started on doing whatever your tax situation, maybe you've always filed, but you just have a big debt, or maybe you haven't filed at all and you have no idea what your debt is. I just prepared somebody's taxes that went back to 2009 and the first nine through 15 had huge refunds, refunds. And we've lost them all because of the time limit. You're going to go back three years. So, and unfortunately, 16, 17, and 18 looks like he's probably going to owe money, which could have helped us if we had done them all on time. So leaving money on the table, not the smartest idea, guys. So if you have questions, you need help, or you're just not too sure where to start, all you have to do is pick up the phone. 615-367-0819 is my direct number. 615-367-0819. You can also go to the website. You can send me emails or, you know, just check it out, see what I do. You never know who you, what your kind of information you're looking for. drfriday.com or email me friday at drfriday.com. Hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. Copulator. you later.